the board members have to regularly meet with each other and discuss like our own behavior and like are we are we uh, conducting meetings in the right way try to build each other up and, and it's, it's a concept called muhasaba in Islam it's like accounting literally it's called accounting accountability we are accountable to each other through this practice of muhasaba Welcome to the Civil Society Futures podcast. We hear from Hassan from London Queer Muslims. How are they dealing with issues like power and accountability? And how are they drawing on Islamic traditions in new ways in the modern world? Me and a group of friends got together last year in September, October time and wanted to put together a space that addresses the kind of needs of LGBTQI plus Muslims who want to engage with their religion and have a kind of safe space to discuss and practice without the need to always resort to the debate about whether you can be or not, whether you can be both or not. Well, there are various inclusive groups or progressive groups, but very rarely do we go to a group where it's led by LGBT people and I, we found that the discussions that happen even in progressive circles are always about how to include or how to even tolerate LGBT Muslims. And there was there were quite a lot of assumptions about our sexualities, our gender identities and, and our and our um, practice of Islam. And we 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 kind of wanted to just have a space where that wasn't happening, where we weren't having this these kind of discussions. We we said we're a group of people that we just want to get on with it and we just want to be Muslim really and also LGBT and just express it and not you know not be kind of stuck in in that kind of dialogue all the time so we just said we would have an an ethos or a rule that we don't debate we don't say is it okay to be blah 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 you know um we we're also not just a social group so social groups are also safe spaces for a lot of lgbt muslims and there are organizations like iman that provide that and it's really important and there is also the inclusive mosque initiative mm. which um is a feminist that the, the board is uh, feminist and they they're women-led and that's also really important but we wanted an lgbt-led space our group is basically a place where you can discuss islam and practice islam without the debate yeah. So we actually look at the fundamental, what what are assumed to be the fundamentals of the religion, through the perspective of LGBT people. So what we find is like we could go to other groups, including some progressive groups, and they will be debating verses in the Quran or Hadiths and things like that, about to say like whether it's okay, whether you know, can we include LGBT Muslims? You know, and we would say we we look at those verses and say. What is it actually telling us as as Muslims? What is it saying to us about our sexuality? Not whether it's okay or not. We just mm. come with the perspective that it is already, and therefore, what's it, what's it saying? And then, then what do all the other practices and principles mean to us? So, like, we recently had a group about zakat, which is like typically translated as charity, and we were say, we were looking at the different categories of people in the Quran that are says that you have to um, give charity to. And we, we looked at it from the perspective of LGBT people. So if it says orphans, what does that mean? Does that mean people that are excluded by their family or the community? 
most of the things that we put on our website have come from our uh, discussion groups yeah. and we we come up with a stance for our group so ijtihad is like engaging with the scripture and the traditions but with a view to putting forward a idea of how we should practice so traditionally scholars did that from from a certain perspective like normally heterosexual and normally patriarchal mm-hmm. And so that's why they came up with the idea that men can have four wives and, you know, you have to get permission from the first wife, blah, blah, blah. So we do the same thing, really, but from our perspective and say, okay, in the Quran, it says we're created in pairs and it's good to live in pairs and stuff like that. So what does that mean to us? And what about what about all of the things that get in the way of that? And if you look at the amount of people, so, for example, it says you should you should be married to a believer. But we say, well, how many how many practicing believers are there for us to marry? You know, how how do we interpret it from that perspective? And so our discussion groups are really like workshops, actually, not discussion groups. They're actually workshops to try and find it, our perspective. And we find that it's really important because there isn't, it's not really being done elsewhere. There are there are lots of groups that support practicing Muslims, LGBT Muslims, but they. We, we haven't yet seen anything produced that says, okay, as LGBT Muslims, how do you, how, how do we uh, view marriage? How do we view charity? How do we view pilgrimage? All these kinds of things. And so the things that we put on our website, the articles we have on our website, they come from those groups. We identify members that come regularly and engage, and we try and actually uh, build up their capacity to lead groups as well, because part of our ethos is uh, community and capacity development and so one of the people that comes is a is a woman who has been leading the groups quite regularly because we identified that we thought that she that would be something she'd be good at we also wanted a bit of gender justice as well mm-hmm. like we don't want to be like you come to the group it's just men mm-hmm. you know like we, all, we we also wanted to identify that need as well and so all our decisions are are taken in a kind of consensus base, which is actually an Islamic concept. And mm-hmm. we we draw on the um, Medinan uh, community, so the community of Mus- the first community of Muslims, actually, where there was no authority, there was no temporal authority, there was just the Prophet. They made everything by this concept called ijma, which is consensus. So we kind of say, okay, well, we're doing everything by consensus, and it's actually an Islamic practice. So when we make decisions about how to how to lead our group and how to do everything, it's all based on that. And we find that it being like drawing on the fundamental aspects of the early community and uh, and the scripture and everything seems like to an outsider like something quite fundamentalist in a way. Like we find that it's quite interesting because from our perspective, it makes us very progressive and in line with modern progressive thought. So we kind of have a bit of both, I guess. Amongst ourselves, we have a quite strict code of conduct and everyone, no matter if you're a founding member or chair, you know, everyone is accountable for that. And we can't just act on a, on a whim and say, oh, I don't like that person, they can't come, that, these kinds of things. We, we have, um, if we have an issue as a group with anybody that comes, if, we, if there's any behaviour that we think we don't want in the group, we we would meet with that person as a group and talk to them. And we we have to be very uh, compassionate in that as well. 
So lots of LGBT people have quite negative experiences and, you know, impacts on their mental health. And we try to be non-judgmental about behaviour and think, you know, we can't just judge behaviour straight away like that. But our own kind of code of conduct, it's like adab, in, it's called adab in, in Islam. And we read it out at the beginning of every session. And it says uh, we don't we don't assume people's gender. We don't use sexual sexually violent language like "fu" or things like that. We you know we have to be very well. We just have to have manners, like good manners. Um, and we have to regularly meet with each other. The board members have to regularly meet with each other and discuss like our own behaviour and like are we are we uh, conducting meetings in the right way? Try to build each other up and. And it's it's a concept called muhasaba in Islam, it's like accounting. Literally, it's called accounting, accountability. <laughs> we are accountable to each other through this practice of muhasaba, and it's got positive and negative aspects as well. So it's like constructive criticism as well as like empowering each other. I mentioned that we try and give more uh, space to uh, women that come. But we also we also try and um, we also try and give more space for people who aren't traditionally seen as like gay people for example we we have a trans we have trans people that come and we try and develop their capacity to lead as well and we have an ethos of we won't talk about the whole acronym without having the whole like representation of the whole so with some groups will say oh we're lgbtqi and this is muslim non-muslim whatever they'll say that and then you'll find that it's just men and they're talking about lgbtqi <laughs> you know as if it's one experience as well yeah. and we, we we really strongly don't do that and one of the um things that we that we do we have a blessing that we do at the end of our group which includes the names of queer identified well what we identify as queer saints from our history and they go all the way back and there are people you know, all the way back to the earliest community when when the prophet was still around, and you know there was there was what we would call like an intersex person that used to visit the one of the wives of the prophet, and they were accepted, and you know they were allowed, and there was a debate about whether the 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 wife should cover her hair in front of them and stuff like this, mm. and we really like include those people and say not only are they characters that give us empowerment through our, our own religious history, but they're actually we include them as saints in the Sufi tradition and we refer to them as that. And there are also people like Madalal Hussein, who was uh, uh, from Lahore, um, probably, I think in the 13th century or something. And he's buried with his Hindu partner, who's a man. And everyone goes there and they, you know, the, the graves are pink and yellow, like the cloths are pink and yellow and there are love hearts in pink and yellow all over the room and people throw flowers on them and... There's a, there's a festival every year where they light, they're called chirag, like uh, oil lamps. And we, we really observe like that date and we talk about them and we read from these, there's, there's lots of them, like lots of examples from all over the Muslim world really. And we, um, we really um, draw on that heritage a lot. So we, we focus on them and try and read the stuff that they wrote and read their stories. And so when we say, the direction of prayer is a big thing, for example, and the Kaaba, you know. And we say, do we have to face that direction? Well, there was this saint from from Turkey uh, who used to say, my Kaaba is humanity. And so 
we're, we have these kind of perspectives, but we're not plucking them out of nowhere. They, sure. they come from our, our heritage. And what's really interesting is that we find that a lot of these people that historically problematize these issues, a lot of them were what we would identify as queer nowadays. So yeah, we're trying to make connections with other interfaith groups. And there's the Inclusive Church in Birmingham. We've also spoken at Cuddlestone, I think it's called. It's in, it's in Oxford. Okay. Um, the Church of England Training College. They said that they wanted to talk about the experience of queer Muslims and there was a lot of queer Christians in that group. And um, we said, well, we have four genders recognised in the Quran. There were always feminine men and there were intersex people that were always recognised in Islamic law and the Prophet's tomb was always guarded by them. And I mean, we don't, we don't think that the Ottoman Empire and things like that are really part of Islamic heritage, but, you know, they were Muslims that, you know, is not always positive, but we've been present and visible throughout Islamic history, you know, and uh, they kind of think, and we, we give stories like Shah Mazalal Hussein, the one I mentioned in Lahore, and they were shocked. They, they said, one person actually, we don't have anything like that in Church of England. <laughs> you know, like we're still debating whether, um, you know, whether they said we can be married, but we can't have sex and, you know, stuff like this. We said, you know, we're not like trying to compete with you or anything, but when you ask us to come and talk about LGBT Muslims, you know, I think there's an expectation that we're going to talk about the negativity. Our group, we try to avoid that conversation because mm-hmm. we think that, yeah, there safe space. There are safe spaces where people can go and talk about how their families treat them and how their religious community treats them, and we don't try to ignore that. But we want to be a different type of safe space, and so our dialogue and our discourse when we're talking to outsiders is one of well, we have a long history with there's a queer history in our own religion. And I find that's really important to people that are commenting that that makes them feel safe in, in a real way. I think it's our long-term goal, like our long-term goals of, let's say um, we would not just be LQM, but we could be like Birmingham QM and uh, Liverpool QM and Istanbul QM, like, you know, things like that. And, you know, a whole list of places. And to really be like a network that's based on our model in the different cities. And and for it to be, a, you know, small groups of, like a small group in each place and to be able to network uh, with each other about that. And also um, to be able to impact more on policy so that we can be a group that's that goes to defend people in court, you know, like we did, so that people know that if you need marriage service, like we'll do that for you and funeral service we've our group have talked about that and said like you know it's not just marriage it's funeral as well mm-hmm. like we have to think about that people people die and their partners can't go to their funeral and you know all this kinds of stuff or an imam won't bury them or whatever like this this happens and with us becoming more and more visible we really need to think about end of life stuff as well it's a bit of a morbid observation but it's there mm-hmm. you know and all kinds of places, like, you know, it's the impact, I think. You have been listening to the Civil Society Futures podcast. To hear more episodes like this, you can follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes, search Civil Society Futures. You can find out more about the inquiry at www.civilsocietyfutures.org and follow us on Twitter at CivSocFutures.